0: welcome to damn good movie memories with your host brian davis this podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day hey there it's brian davis and for this week's episode we're going to cover the movie the kennel murder case from 1933 the studio was Warner Brothers. Release date was October 28, 1933. The running time 73 minutes, and it was in black and white. The budget was 272,000, which today would be 5.4 million. Now the box office took in 682,000, which would be 13.6 million today. Leonard Maltin, from his classic movie guide, gives it three and a half out of four stars. His quick little synopsis is the definitive Philo Vance mystery about an apparent suicide which Vance believes was really murder, tied to intrigue among rivals competing in a Long Island dog show. Stylish direction and photography and a fine cast make this top notch by any standard. Now, the first time I saw the Kennel murder case was as a kid on my local PBS station late one Saturday night. I had not yet seen the Thin Man movie, so this was my introduction to William Powell and him playing a detective role. In Kennel, he plays the famous fictional detective, as Leonard Maltin says, Philo Vance. And the Vance character was created by author S.S. Van Dyne in the 1920s. Alright, let's get into the main cast. Of course, William Powell plays Philo Vance, and Powell started in Motion Pictures in the early 1920s during the Silent Era. He made the transition to talkies easier than most actors as he had a great speaking voice. Now, some silent actors failed once they had to actually talk on film. Powell actually played the Philo Vance character in three films prior to the Kennel murder case, but they were not nearly as good as Kennel, and this would be his last Vance role. The next year, Powell became a star from his character Nick Charles and his partnership with Myrna Loy in the Thin Man series. Mary Astor plays Hilda Lake, and I covered Astor's career in past episodes like The Maltese Falcon and Midnight. At this point, it would be three years before her divorce scandal hit the papers. Like Powell, Astor started in silent films, and she actually failed initially when given a voice test for her movie to talkies. Her voice was considered too deep and was dropped from her contract. Astor then took voice training and starred in a successful play in Los Angeles, which led her to getting a shot in talking films in 1930 and her biggest role prior to the Kennel murder case was Red Dust with Clark Gable and Gene Harlow. The director was Michael Curtiz, and Curtiz eventually became one of the top directors in Hollywood. He started in silent movies in Hungary in 1912 and directed close to 70 films before he was signed to Warner Brothers in 1926, a company he'd stay with for 28 years. He would direct close to four films a year or more in the 1930s, his best-known films would, of course, be Casablanca, The Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn, White Christmas, and Mildred Pierce. All right, let's get into a few facts for the making of the film. The first Philo Vance novel from S.S. Van Dyne came in 1926, and then he wrote 11 more mysteries until his death in 1939. The Vance character was born to a wealthy family and thus developed an almost snobbish attitude towards everyone not just because of his wealth, but he felt intellectually superior towards others. He sort of knew a lot about everything, and this was used in his solving of mysteries. Okay, let's get into the film. As was common with the title credits from the 1930s, we are given short clips of the main cast to put a visual to to the name of each character. The film begins at the Long Isle Kennel Club, which is hosting a dog show. Philo Vance, which of course is William Powell, is showcasing his Scottish terrier. Vance is a well-known sleuth, but not an official detective or even a private investigator. He's just kind of a rich guy who solves capers as a hobby, as I mentioned prior. One of the leading candidates to win the competition is a dog named Jilly, owned by Sir Thomas MacDonald, played by Paul Cavanaugh. That night, Thomas and Hilda Lake, Mary Astor, check up on Jilly and his cage, and they find him missing. He's found dead outside of the grounds, killed by something or someone. Thomas suspects that his main competitor, Archie Coe, played by Robert Barrett, has something to do with the dog's killing. Archer is hated by many, including his brother, Brisbane. Thomas calls Archer at his home, but his butler, Gamble, played by Arthur Hole, says he's not there. He's actually at his soon-to-be ex-girlfriend's apartment, Doris Delafield, played by Helen Vinson. She kicks him out of the apartment, and he storms off. At home, Archer makes yet another enemy, this time with Liang the cook, played by James Lee, who is fired by Archer for having the audacity to speak up against Archer, telling him not to sell his valuable collection of Chinese artwork. That night, we see the outside of Archer's house, and a gunshot is Hearn, and the scene fades. The next morning, Gamble goes up to bring Archer his breakfast and receives no answer when he knocks on the bedroom door. He peeks through the keyhole to see Archer sitting in a chair, dead. Gamble shouts for Raymond Reed, played by Ralph Morgan. He's the co-secretary about what he discovers. And Raymond tells Gamble to call the police at once. Gamble believes Archer committed suicide, and so that's what Detective Heath, played by Eugene Pollitt, goes to the house thinking. It's funny that one of the newspaper's reporters, played by George Chandler, just hangs out at the police station playing cards with the cops, just waiting for a big story. And the news spreads quickly.
1: Hello? Give me police headquarters, quick. Homicide, Sergeant Miller speaking. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't get you. Take it easy. All right, and no, 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 it, huh? then no, I get it. Suicide. Suicide? Wait a minute. You're not going to run out on this hand. Yep. Who? Archer Cole, 98 71st Street. Okay, I got you. Is that it, Sergeant? Yeah. Well, goodbye, Ernest. Sergeant Heath, to you, Cub. Kick in with that 6 bits. Oh, <laughs> relax, <laughs> will you? <laughs> this is your case, Sergeant. You better get the boys out. 98 71st Street? That's right. All right. Come on, Snickers. Tell Dr. Ramis to hurry right out to 98 East 71st Street. Did you say East, Sergeant? East, yes. I got it. Daily Mail? Give me city desk. Calling car 18, car 18. Oh, Times? Charlie Adler. 98 East 71st Street. Last night, Archer Coe committed suicide. Proceed immediately and call your station for instructions.
0: Philo Vance was on a boat that was about to depart to Italy when he hears the news bulletin on the radio about Archer Coe's apparent suicide. He immediately phones the district attorney, Markham, played by Robert McWade, with his doubts about Archer's suicide.
1: And now for the latest news flashes. Archer Coe, the well-known sportsman and collector, committed suicide last night... at his home, 98 East 71st Street. His body was discovered by the butler at eight this morning... when he took up a breakfast tray. No reason has been advanced for this action as Mr. Cole was in excellent health... and had no financial trouble. No news has been received from the crew of the land Is the still connected? Yes, sir. But it will be disconnected in about two minutes, sir. I see. Hello. Hello, Markham. Hello, Vance. (laughs) I thought you were on your way to Italy. (laughs) I am. I say, Markham, uh, I just heard about Archer Cole. Yes, too bad he had to bump himself off like that. Uh, That's why I called you. Are you sure that he did bump himself off? Well, his butler tells us he's sitting in a locked room with a revolver in his hand and a bullet in his head. I don't know what else you'd call him. I don't want to butt into your affairs, but uh, aren't you a bit hasty in jumping to that conclusion? Hasting? Why? Well, if you knew Archer Coe, you would know that suicide is almost a psychological impossibility for him. Psychological, bosh. A two and two make four, don't they? Well, how do you know you have two and two? Just let me point out to you. Oh, point out the Statue of Liberty. Say, Vance. Hello? Hello? The land phone has been disconnected, sir. Oh. Uh, will you have my luggage brought up? Yes, sir. Steward. Yes. Uh, just have them send it ashore. I've decided not to sail. Sir? Vance, you've been right about a lot of cases in the past, but I can't help smiling at you getting off that boat and giving up a swell trip all because of a hunch. Well, as a matter of fact, Mark, it was more than a hunch. Huh? It just so happens that I talked with Archer Cole only yesterday. What? Where? The Long Island Kennel Club. Now, I can't conceive of a man on the verge of suicide being very deeply concerned over winning a championship at a dog show, can you? No. What do you mean? Simply this. As late as yesterday afternoon, Archer Coe was looking forward with the keenest anticipation to winning a blue ribbon from Sir Thomas MacDonald today. Sir Thomas MacDonald? Say, wasn't it his dog that was found dead last night? Right. And Archer Coe found dead this morning. You suppose there might be some connection there? I don't know. But if someone were to try to kill Captain McTavish, I'd probably turn murderer myself, wouldn't I, Captain? Hello, Mr. Markham. I got your message to hold everything up. What's the idea? Hello, Mr. Van. Good morning, Sergeant. Well, it's been a long time. Several years. I might have known it would be you, the world's champion troubleshooter. Now, come on, boys. Come inside. Well, Chief, this is another just open and shut case. Mr. Reed, the secretary. This is Gamble, the butler. Yes, sir. Mr. Markham, the district attorney. How do you do, sir? And uh, Mr. Vance. How do you do? do do? Everything just as it was? Well, they said they haven't touched anything. We thought it best to leave everything intact, sir. Good. Where's the room? Upstairs. This way, please. You have been in Mr. Coe's service long? About three months, sir. And before that? Uh, Unfortunately, I was unemployed, sir. This is it, sir. Yep, he's there, all right. Just like I told the police on the phone. I tried the door, found it locked, looked through the keyhole, and there he was, dead. I think this is a job for you, Sergeant. Certainly, Mr. Vance. Well, Hennessy, what are you standing there for, your health? This takes beef. All right. Congratulations, Sergeant. What is this, a bedroom or a museum? More junk here than a Chinese Josh house. I trust I did the right thing, sir, by not breaking down the door. I realized I could be of no help to him. Oh, he's been quite dead for hours. Bumped himself off, that's plain enough. Certainly looks that way, Vance. I'm afraid your trip was spoiled for nothing. I think not, Markham. This may prove far more interesting than a trip to Europe. You carry a gun? No, sir. You? Er... Yes, sir, but only at night for the protection of the household. Is that it? Why, I... Come on. No, that was Mr. Archer's. But uh, he always kept it in a desk drawer downstairs. I saw it yesterday morning as I was putting away some papers. Oh, you did, eh? Did uh, Mr. Cole generally keep his windows locked? Why, no, sir. As a matter of fact, he was a great believer in fresh air. Ah, indeed. I wonder if these gentlemen would mind waiting downstairs. Well, suddenly not. I'm sorry we had to damage your door. That's quite all right. It's easily repaired. I'll have it attended to at once, sir. it see that no one leaves the house without my permission. All right. It's as plain as a nose on your face. This guy locked himself in here and blew out his brains. I wish I could agree with you, Sergeant. How the devil could it be anything but suicide? It was all very well for you to theorize before we got here, Vance. But now that you've seen this, and there are no signs of a struggle... And the door bolted on the inside, and no means of entrance to the room... Ah, no other means of entrance. All right you are, Sergeant. But we can hardly call a second-story window a means of entrance. And nothing here that even a human fly could crawl on. So why should Archer Cole lock his windows? Particularly if he was a fresh air enthusiast. I'm afraid your reasoning is not altogether convincing. Well, perhaps so, but doesn't it strike you as rather odd that a man should suddenly decide to commit suicide while changing from his street clothes to pajamas? Well, why not? A man debating suicide might get partially undressed and walk up and down for hours trying to make up his mind. Yes, he might walk up and down for hours, but not with one shoe half off. No, Markham, something stopped him as he was removing that shoe. This was supposed to suggest suicide, but someone miscalculated. But you can't get away from that bolted door. I wish I could. The way you figure it out, the man was murdered. As soon as the killer is gone, he gets up, goes and bolts the door, plants himself in a comfortable chair with a loaded gun in his hand to suggest suicide. That's a swell theory.
2: Hello, Gamble. What is this? What's happened?
1: Something terrible has happened, Miss Lake. Hilda. What
2: is it, Raymond? What is
1: it? It's your uncle, Archer, Hilda. He killed himself last night. Where? They're upstairs. Hey, don't touch that body, miss.
2: Oh, Mr. Burns.
1: Well, how do you do, Miss Leake? This is Mr. Markham, the district attorney. How do you do? Miss Lake is co's niece. I'm sorry, Miss Lake, but you mustn't touch anything until the medical examiner arrives. It's against regulation.
2: Is it also against regulations to tell me what's happened?
1: We arrived only a few moments ago. We... found your uncle as you see him. It has every appearance of suicide. I doubt it. Do you know of anyone who would have reason to kill your uncle?
2: Yes, I had for one.
1: Why, Miss Lake?
2: Because he stood in the way of everything I wanted. He made my life miserable because he held the purse strings. And because... because he was jealous of every man who came near me. I was afraid of him. Oh, the horrible nights I've spent in this house.
1: Are we to accept your comments as a confession of murder, Miss Lake? Look here, Markham, that's ridiculous.
2: Please, Raymond. I think I can handle this situation myself.
1: When we found your uncle, Miss Lake, The door was bolted from the inside.
2: Bolted inside? Oh. Maybe he did shoot himself.
1: Can't you make up your mind? Do you know of anyone else who felt as you do about your uncle?
2: Practically everyone he came in contact with. He was ruthless. He wanted his own way in everything. I imagine there are plenty of Chinese who will be glad to know that his collecting days are over. Ask our cook.
1: I shall. Can you think of anyone else?
2: Well, Uncle Brisbane shared my
1: feelings toward him, I'm sure. Where is this Brisbane guy? Maybe he decided to do something about it. That's impossible. He's on his way to Chicago. He left on the 5 o'clock train yesterday afternoon. He'd be just about getting there by now. Well, you'd probably like to wire him, wouldn't you?
2: Why, yes, of course. Is that all?
1: Before the present, yes. Suppose we check up enough of Brisbane on that Chicago train. Won't take me but a minute.
0: So, there you have it. Pretty much everyone is a suspect. (laughs) Archer's brother Brisbane despised him, along with his niece, his cook, his mistress, and his dog show competitor. Not to mention the butler and secretary. They have to be in the mix as well, even if they haven't displayed any outward hatred towards him. And that's why these early whodunit films were so intriguing and enjoyable to watch. It could be anyone. And then we have this tidbit involving Hilda and Raymond, the secretary.
1: You know, there's a few things I'd like to find out about this girl, Hilda Lake.
2: Why are you always
1: trying to check up on me? I'm not trying to check up on you, Hilda. I want to help you. Well, you know how I feel about you. You know that I love you. But lately, you seem to have changed. Every time I want to speak to you about marriage, you evade me. What's on your mind?
2: Oh, nothing, nothing. Raymond, I never said I'd marry you.
1: But I thought that now we, well, that that I could take you away from here.
2: You might as well know now as later. When all this is cleared up, I'm going to marry Tom McDonald. Oh. Oh, try to understand, Raymond. I'm sorry.
0: So maybe Raymond bumped off Archer for Hilda's money to finally be freed up from her uncle, and then he could marry her. Then again, maybe Thomas McDonald had the same idea. Plus, he thinks Archer had his dog killed. (laughs) <laughs> yes, there's a lot to untangle here. So Dr. Doramus shows up to give his analysis of what
1: happened. Yeah, man, I want to see. Any Any doctor? doctor? How about a statement? Give dog? me a chance. Oh, wait a minute. I'm a doctor, not a magician. i almost full funny. Go on, on now, scram. I'm get in here. Hello, Doc. Hello, Kelsey. Where have you been? Haven't seen you for a long time. Working hard. What chapter's along? Do you walk all the way? You always pick on me at mealtime. I was in the middle of cakes and sausage. What have you got? Just plain suicide. This guy locked himself in the room, bumped himself off. Suicide? Then why didn't you let me finish my breakfast? Hello, Doc. Hello, Markham. All you need is an order to remove the body. If you told me that over the phone, I could have sent my assistant. Mr. Markham told me to phone you personally. Don't crab at me about it. I'll give you the approximate hour of the death, if you want it. That's big hearted of you, Doc. And the routine autopsy we can do tomorrow, as it's just a case of suicide. Uh, why do you jump to that conclusion, Doctor? I know a dead man when I see one. Besides, the door was bolted... I know, the door was bolted on the inside. But what about the body? Hadn't you better have a look at it? I was going to. I'm a doctor, not a detective. This man is dead with a bullet hole in his right temple. He's holding a gun in his right hand. Just the kind of wound that might have been self inflicted The position is natural, and the door was locked on the inside. Well, Let me see. That's strange. Did you find something to disturb you, Doctor? Plenty. There's blood in his mouth. And he's got a skull fracture from some club-like instrument. Now, What about the bullet wound in his temple? There's no blood there. That's so. Gentlemen, when that bullet entered this man's head, he had been dead for hours. Can you place the time of his death? I'd say from 8 to 12 hours ago. Would you say that the revolver was placed in his hand before rigor mortis set in? Yes. Did he die from the effects of the blow on the head? No. Probably rendered him unconscious for a while. But that wouldn't have killed him. Not powerful enough. The blow didn't kill him, the bullet didn't kill him, and yet he's dead. Suppose we try to find out just what did kill him. Glad you thought of that, Mr. Vance. Vance. It's not a bad idea. Perhaps I'd better take another look. Easy. You know, well, 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 now then, all right, just boys. a all that way. All right, that's, that's it. That's it. There couldn't have been much of a struggle. His hair isn't even mussed. Maybe somebody slugged him and then combed his hair. By George. Now I've got it. Stabbed below the left shoulder blade, near the spine. There's no external bleeding. Internal hemorrhage, huh? That's it. What do you think of the suicide theory now, sergeant? Well, it's slightly complicated for him to shot, slugged, and stabbed himself. Particularly in the back. Yeah, it's very complicated. Oh, Markham. Yes. You see, there's no hole in the back of his pajama jacket. So he couldn't have been wearing that when he was stabbed. But get this. There's a hole in the back of his coat, and another in his waistcoat, blood-stained. He must've been fully dressed when he was attacked. That is me out, I finished. I suppose you want a quick autopsy? Yes. Get that body down to the morgue as soon as possible. Good day, gentlemen. Good day. Hey, now. Yes? Do you think there's any possible chance of that being suicide? What? All right, all right, just a fair question, big boy. Go on home and get your hotcakes and sausage. You need the strength. That yeah, I have that deadline. Right. Any report on that wire? Not yet, Sarge.
0: As we expected, This definitely wasn't suicide, so now Philo Vance and the actual police will have to untangle the mystery of who killed Archer Coe and Jilly the dog. Of course, the non-official detective will always be one step ahead of the actual police, as is the case with all of these films. As the police attempt to find Brisbane Coe to question him about his brother's apparent murder, they can't find him. Which leads to additional question of the butler gamble about Brisbane's demeanor before he left for his trip. Brisbane
1: Coe, not aboard this train. Wallace, conductor, train number seven. Sit down. What time did Brisbane Co leave for Chicago? In time to catch the five o'clock train, sir. How do you know he caught the five o'clock train? I phoned for the reservation, brought him his walking stick and overcoat, and, and put his bag in the taxi. Uh, did you remain in the house all evening? Why, no, sir. I went out about 6.30. It was a servant's night off. Everyone was out to dinner. Mm -hmm. Did you notice anything unusual in Mr. Brisbane's manner when he left? Now that you mention it, he was distracted and and very irritable. Mm -hmm. You say you gave him his stick? Yes, sir. Uh, What kind of stick? His favorite. An ivory-handled one. He never went anywhere without it, sir. Uh, You're quite sure he took that particular stick with him? Positive. I handed it to him myself, sir. Did you see him when he returned here last evening? Returned? Yes. I didn't know he had returned, sir. That whose ivory-headed stick is that hanging over that chair in the hall? Sit down. I swear I don't know. Down. Sir. I uh, I don't sit know. Down. Steady, Gamble. Steady. Is this it? Is it? Uh, yes, sir. I can't understand it. I suppose you saw nothing of his bag? Why, no, sir. Well, if he brought his cane back here, what did he do with his bag? Ah, very good, Sergeant. That's just the point. He undoubtedly left it somewhere. But where? I should think the most logical place would be the check room at the Grand Central Station. What kind of a bag was it? Just an ordinary pigskin bag, sir, with his initials BC on it. Is that it? Yeah, that looks like it. There's your police department receipt. What time was this check? 4.45. Thanks, pal. Okay. Well, here it is. Put it here. Did you examine the contents? No, I'm going right up here. Oh, I Nick, did you find out what time this was checked? Yeah, there you are. 4.45. He must have gone direct from the house to the station. Did the attendant remember who left this? No, he said it was some management, but most of the time he didn't even notice the people. Well, there's shaving kit, shirts, underwear, socks, collars, slippers. Nothing in there that a man wouldn't ordinarily take with him on a short trip. Except this, perhaps. Unsolved murders. That's a swell book to take to Chicago. That's rather odd, isn't it? Yes, more than that. Gentlemen, the mist is beginning to rise. I think I know at least a part of what happened here last night. How about this? Let's say that Brisbane Coe started for Chicago on a night when he knew that no one but Archer would be at home. He missed his train purposely. Checked his bag at the station and returned here to kill his brother. To make a perfect alibi, he planned to take a later train to Chicago. But something stopped him. And something stopped Archer Cole before he could remove his shoes last night. You see what I mean? Those shoes of Archer's, that bag of Brisbane's, his stick hanging there in the hall that shouldn't have been there. Say, just a minute. Oh, uh, Gamble. Where did Mr. Brisbane usually put his hat and overcoat when he came in? He always hung them in the closet, sir. Uh, which closet? This one. Oh! Mr. Brisbane. Well, Mr. Vance, where are we now? I should say somewhere in the middle of the Gobi Desert.
0: Ah, so now we have three murders. The plot keeps getting better, but at least there's one less suspect. And one of the funniest characters in the film is the doctor, who keeps getting these pesky dead body calls when he's trying to eat his meals.
1: Hello. What? Again? I'm right in the middle of my lunch. First you interview with my breakfast, then you ruin my lunch. Don't you boys ever eat? No. I'm on a diet. Oh, 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 all right. Hello. All right, I'll attend to that later. Get me the wagon and the fingerprint gang. Just a minute, fellas. One side, please. Just a moment, please. Ready? That's all. All right, go ahead. Here. He's been dead for hours. And me thinking all the time he was playing parcel. No. Well, there are too many people in the world anyway. Mr. Vance, this is just ordinary junk. I'm afraid so. And I'd rather hope for something important. Which one of the two victims died first, Arthur? Coe, I think. This one, a little later. And the weapon? The same. Sharp and narrow. Second. Tag and list these. I think I better fingerprint everything inside and outside here. Right, Captain. Hennessy. Yes. Look for a sharp, narrow weapon. Right. Found something? Why, it looks like fishing tackle. It's tackle, all right, but not fishing. Markham, we're dealing with a shrewd brain. The technique of this crime was very cleverly worked out. But something went wrong. Sergeant. Here's your order for the removal of the body. Thanks, Doctor. So long. I want food well nobody's stopping you and if you have got any more corpses bring them out now will you i can't be running up and down here all day what do you mean running up and down all day with that swell car the city gave you oh nothing upsets the doctor
0: philo in the meantime figured out how brisbane's little toolkit could be used to lock a door from the outside to make it look like it was locked from the inside
1: oh markham yeah you're just in time for a demonstration I think I can show you how Brisbane Co. used this fishing tackle. He started for Chicago and Billy to provide an alibi. He had other plans in this room. Watch this. Notice the bent pin which is hooked on the bolt handle? This is attached to the string I am now pulling through the keyhole. If you follow the string, you will see that it passes around a pin in the wall. This acts as a pulley and is also attached to a string passing through the keyhole. You see, the bolt is now being forced into its socket. I Upon my word. I now pull the first string through the keyhole, and then the second string. And with it comes the pin, leaving no evidence. Now let me in. It worked? Yes, yes it worked. Well, that explains that, then. Very clever. It could have been done that way, but if Brisbane killed Archer Coe, who killed Brisbane and hung him in the closet? Why did he do it? That's what we want to find out, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Gentlemen, two persons planned the murder of Archer Cole. Two? What? But their paths crossed. Brisbane was one of them. The other? I've got it. The Chinese cook. They're full of those tricks. Forget this. Dr. DeRamus said that Cole was struck over the head with a blunt instrument. This poker would answer that description, wouldn't it? Yes. And that certainly looks like dried blood. It certainly does. But what about those short, coarse hairs? They don't look like coals. No. Well, Mr. Vance, why didn't you find that when you looked in there this morning? It wasn't in there this morning. Besides, it doesn't belong in this room. It belongs downstairs in the library.
0: To further complicate matters, the coarse hairs that Philo discovered on the poker with the dried blood was that of a dog. Philo's dog discovered a wounded dog in one of the downstairs rooms. As it turned out, the dog belongs to the mistress of Archer Coe, Doris Delafield, the one that broke up with him the night he was murdered.
2: Won't you sit down, gentlemen?
0: Thank you. I'm sorry I didn't win you a trophy
1: at the dog show. You're quite a fancier, aren't you?
2: Yes, somewhat.
1: I'm interested in one of your dogs, the Doberman.
2: You mean Figaro?
1: I wonder if I can have a look at him.
2: I'm terribly sorry. You know, he slipped his leash last night and ran away. I've notified the police my maid's been scouring the neighborhood trying to find him.
1: Well, did she inquire at Mr. Coe's house next door?
2: Well, I I don't know.
1: You and Mr. Coe have been good friends, haven't you?
2: I know him. Why?
1: Your dog was found in his house this morning, badly wounded. What? Have you any idea how he got there? No. Do you suppose he would follow someone into the house?
2: Why, I hardly think... Now, what are you driving at?
1: Mr. Archer Cole? and his brother were murdered last night.
2: Murdered? I was afraid that...
1: Just a moment.
2: Hello. Is that Miss Doris Delafield's apartment? Would you please tell Miss Delafield that we couldn't get the reservations for her and Mr. Grassy on A deck? And ask her if B deck would be satisfactory.
1: Miss Delafield will not be sailing. You can cancel a reservation for them both. Both? Do you mind telling me whom the other reservation was for?
2: I refuse to answer that question.
1: Would it be Mr. Grossi? But I am Mr. Grossi. And if I didn't cancel those reservations, who did? What? Miss Delafield. Oh, no, 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 she didn't. No, really, there's been a mistake. As soon as I can find out about this, I'll call you back. I don't think you'll find Miss Delafield at home just now. And as for the cancellation of your steamship reservations, we regret very much that it was necessary. Who are you? This is Mr. Markham, the district attorney. I'm honored, but I'm afraid I don't quite understand. It's about this. As a matter of fact, Mr. Cole didn't commit suicide. He was murdered. Murdered? Would you mind coming along with us? Just a little matter of comparing fingerprints.
0: Not in the least. So now we have two more suspects. I love it. Let's see. It could be Hilda the niece, Raymond the secretary, Liang the cook, Gamble the butler, Sir Thomas, the lover of Hilda, Doris Delafield, the mistress, and Eduardo Grassi, the lover of Doris. The final 30 minutes gives the back and forth in the eventual unraveling of who committed the murders. So while the film doesn't get the acclaim that the Thin Man series gets, it's a great precursor to that series and a terrific mystery and really packs in a ton in just 75 minutes. It Definitely check it out if you want a breezy mystery. And it's on YouTube for free. I'll leave you with another gem from Dr. Dormus. I'm the city butcher, not the detective. Don't bother me with any
1: murders after three tomorrow. I'm going to the World Series. Hey, Doc, phone me the score between these, will you?
0: And I'm all sure you're wondering, well, at least my father and and my uncle are, the winner of the 1933 World Series they were talking about. The New York Giants, who eventually became the San Francisco Giants in 1958, well, they beat, in 1933, the Washington Senators four games to one. Some of the great Giant players back then included starting pitcher Carl Hubble, outfielder Mel Ott, first baseman Bill Terry, who was also the manager of the team. All right, that's it. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode, and I will be back for yet another random movie on my dvd collection come hang out and chill with brian a davis and the bad beat wednesdays 11 p.m eastern right here on thatmetalstation.com